0: My daughter, uh, Shannon, started Oracle and, you know, that framework is great. Then you can go to smaller companies. Uh, Fort It's Worth, I started as EMC, 33rd employee. And, you know, all the teachers from Boston College, oh, you got to go to big company, big company. But was was good at the time was, you know, you're going to get doing real selling faster and you get cool perspectives on all, all, all the different departments. Right. So we knew engineering, manufacturing, finance, but, you know, IT kind of everything else. I think they both you know, both have their positives. I always encourage people to say, you know, what's a good space or what's the culture? You know, what do you like? And especially for young sellers, I think there's nothing better than being in that face-to-face office environment. And if you're at a company that is not like that, I just think you just miss, you know, as much of your training and everything else. If you don't have that face to face and that camaraderie and everything else you know, besides the you know, potential mental challenges, I think just you're kind of just ramp and enjoying it's like trying to play in a, you know, football team and you're kind of one person at a time as opposed to everybody there together. So another yeah, n- awesome. n- 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 yeah. consideration for sure. Um, so looking at this kind of go-to-market journey back that you're way ahead of your time on whole RevOps and everything else, um, any other kind of key learnings or interesting pivot points along the way that you can, uh, reflect back on?
1: Yeah. I mean, look at I mean, you know, hindsight's always twenty twenty as you go through these processes, right? And, you know, when we started out our journey, look at Dell EMC came together, a giant merger of two big companies. And we really, you know, a couple of years into that acquisition, we really began the journey. Um, we were very focused on do, you know, not take not biting off more than we can chew initially and sort of going through this kind of what I'll call a sort of a forced march, but a disciplined forced march. And I think that worked out well for us. Um I think the the other thing that worked out well for us is we had an eye for what we wanted to build to. And so we thought through kind of the sequencing of what what order things would make sense doing. Um, and it was having that fortitude to just just to stick with it. Um, You know, obviously, as you as you go through these things, there are learnings. I mean, there's things that, you know, we didn't get right, (laughs) you know, that that's just that's life. And, you know, the ability for us to stand back and say, you know what? Could have should have done that differently and be able to react to that and adjust, I think, is what um, what really differentiates, you know, companies and people. And so as you know, as we if we misstepped. we try to fail fast, I say, you know, try to figure Oh, geez, we, we got that one wrong, let's readjust and and don't have that pride of ownership that, you know, we, we set this thing in concrete and we're moving forward no matter what. So I think, um, you know, those, to me, those are some of the bigger learnings.
0: Yeah. It's gotta be uh, super challenging, right? Cause from an ops perspective, you're going to put something in place. It's a whole ripple effect that goes through your 25,000 sellers plus channel plus everything else. So, Yeah. Again, if it's not going to work, you want to know fast, but you almost can't afford to because it's just everybody's spending all this time, effort and energy. Right.
1: Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, look, one of the challenges we dealt with is that um, being the size we are, there were many, many, many different opinions on the way to go forward. And so we would, you know, oftentimes sort of assert a position and then modify as we went along, as opposed to get, you know, seek this big collaborative kind of view because we were concerned that we wouldn't be able to move fast enough. Um, And then as we went through the exercise of rolling out our transformation, whether it was segmentation, coverage models, unstacking coverage, um, you know, obviously there's mistakes that were made, but being able to stand back and without pride of ownership, acknowledging there was a mistake made, you know, we took a remit out of someone's portfolio. They really needed to have, could cause it cause conflict? We we had to be able to say, you know, we didn't get that one right, <laughs> and, and, and 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 adjust. But it's knowing where where to, you know. Um, there's always going to be something going on, and it's having that ability to pick up those things that are most important that you got to, you know, readjust for.
0: Yeah, that's that's great. What about along the way? Have you had to kind of have some handshakes with marketing? Because some of kind of what you do kind of overlaps with them and kind of what they're doing and how they're doing it.
1: Yeah, we do. I mean, look, at um, we would. As you go further down the customer stack, you know, marketing plays a way more important role in terms of the reach to the customer base and the lead generation activities. Um, so we would, as we went along, almost like any good sales campaign, you know, you want everybody in the boat with you, you know, when you go down this process. So within Dell, we have these, um, you know, we'd want to get the BUs aligned to us with what we're doing. We'd want to get the marketing teams aligned. I'd want to get the IT organization aligned, try to get as many people connected into the journey and getting, getting on the same page. Um, and really trying to articulate to them not just what we're going to do but the why behind the what actually pulled them along so those connecting points with marketing were obviously critical um, especially when we start getting into pushing out leads and and some of the camp- major campaigns that were being run we had to be we had to be lockstep wow,
0: awesome. Uh, All right. From Ryan, we have a question. Thanks, Ryan. As the economic downturn continues and many sales orgs are moving to a PLG motion, where do you see companies fail when implementing a PLG strategy? PLG. Uh, uh, Yeah, uh, product-led. Product-led uh, growth. I don't think yours, I mean, it would be kind of the example would be you know, HubSpot is famous for this, but kind of it's a um, usually, you know, no cost entry point. You do a trial, you sign up and then you upsell from there. I think probably the certainly the EMC experience has not and Dell probably has not really much either gone through kind of product-led growth motions, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean, we, we we would have done. I mean, I will go back. I mean, we've depending on it. Look at with a, a predominant hardware company, it's, it's an expensive endeavor. When for us, you know, we we we've historically done a lot of evaluation, try and buys things right. like that, but um, we we try to be careful with that stuff. Yeah, just because sure. you of cash, it ties up.
0: Yeah, and I think probably the maybe that'd be good good segue then, kind of on the. You know, trial or evaluation, uh, I would imagine these days things are especially tight where people have to agree that if, if it does ABC, then they're going to buy it. And it's almost like a pre-order PO-ish. So that way it's not a whole net new sale activity at the back end. The sales really done upfront subject to kind of uh, the solution
1: performing. Yeah, right? exactly. I mean, when we when we do them and, and we, we, we do less of them now than we used to, um, again, cash is king for, for, for us and for many. And so we do have, you know, very specific criteria that people, you know, agree to up front. And they hit these criteria, it basically triggers the order. Um, we do know that look at when people do evaluation units, 95% of them stick. But you know, having assets tied up for six months, nine months a year is just really expensive. Gotcha. Well, uh,
0: Dan Campbell can help you there. Leveraging, uh, arrow, maybe. There you yeah. go. Yeah. For a price. <laughs> there you go. Uh, what about you certainly worked with lots of greats along the way. Uh, any, uh,
1: sales leaders in particular you, uh, I'll look at, I mean, I you know, you mentioned this earlier, I've worked with scandal for years. Um, he is, um, one of the, one of the best, uh, there's been a lot of great sales leaders that I worked with over the years. Um, and they all have what what I found for the best sales leaders, um, first of all, they have that stick with it. You know, they never, ever, ever give up. And they just stick with it. Um, and they have that, they have that natural, what I've seen is that just that natural ability to pull along the masses. You know, the best sales leaders are those folks that um you know they get in the crowd they're a field general they lead from the front they're the first one out they don't expect any more out of anybody else than they expect out of themselves um and you know look at ultimately um the people that i've worked with sales leaders that are that, that are the best of what they do um are people that you you know you want to be around <laughs> you know they have that you know they're good people you want to be around them and that and i think that pulls people to them as well but it's Ultimately, you look at it, it's in my view, it is it's sticking with it. It's the people that just, you know, have that grit and that determination and they never give up. Um, and they're always, always, always thinking about the customer first. And uh, you know, and 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 Scannel is a person that sort of just bleeds that in everything that he does.
0: Yeah, I was thinking about before, t- totally agree. I was thinking about before you're we talking about, uh, you know, i call it revenue generating time, right? Versus, you know, non-revenue generating time for the, the field teams. But, you know, ha- having the leaders leading by example with actual sales calls or zooms or w- whatever you want to call it, right? So for as many as they can go on, individual contributors should be able to go on, you know, even more. So if you see your leader, as you said, leading from the front, doing that from a tactical perspective and you can get those, you know, if you get, you know, 25,000 sellers doing, you know, one or two more sales calls a week, and that's 50,000 a week, and that's 200,000 a month, and I can't even do the math for the, whatever, two two and two and a half billion, a million, whatever, you
1: know, a year. I mean, just, you know, cr- crazy. Yeah. Right? We, the best people I've seen, sales people that sell, you know, ultimately, sales leaders that spend their time selling. You know, I can do the upside. I can keep the trains running. They don't need to worry about that. You know, they that, they, you know, we need them out in front of customers doing what they do best. And that just permeates, you know, the whole organization. Awesome. Love it.
0: Um, so from uh, Tim, we have a question in terms of rep productivity. How much technology is too much? Uh, is there a pushback for adding new tech or screens or logins? Or are you trying to centralize the data for the reps and hide the sausage making as much as possible?
1: Yeah, I, I think there is a huge risk that too much technology. This thing needs to be set up in a way that, and we're, you know, we're, we're, we're working and we're working with many vendors on this, is as few user interfaces as possible. It has, everything should have a common look and feel. It should be a common place that people are entering into. Um, and then as much as possible, leveraging the tech in a way that automates the experience without them having to do it. We, you know, earlier today we were on a call and we were talking about Salesforce capabilities. And you know, um, people don't like keeping Salesforce up to speed, keeping it up to date, doing all that data entry. Well, there's all kinds of technology out there that can do that for you. So it's a matter of how do you leverage the technology so it's a little bit invisible to the rep, but it actually is embedded in the things that they're using, so it's served up in an appropriate way. in terms of centralized, you know, again, I, I'm, I'm looking through the eyes of Adele. We spend a lot of time on data management to ensure that we've got, you know, the, that's sort of keys to the kingdom, making sure that data management is correct. Um, and we do want to centralize that data as much as possible. And again, from, from a rep side, I want them to have as few platforms as possible, right? Um, even to the extent that even if we have one, what I'll call a veneer, like a Salesforce veneer, and they're entering into any other system through that veneer um, to make it simple. I I don't want them having to spend a lot of time trying to get trained on systems, just not a a good use of of their time. Awesome.
0: Great, great perspective for sure. Um, What about any prediction, we're winding down here. of a bunch of things, but I'm trying to shorten it up. Uh, What about predictions for the uh, sales tech stack space? So yeah, go down, you know, five five years from now, say.
1: Yeah, I think, look, again, I think AI is going to be an enormous thing. I think initially we're going to be seeing AI as a way to help automate and make people a little more efficient. Um, But I think the next big lever is going to be leveraging AI to really help sales teams better differentiate offers, to really understand like, what is it that's gonna allow us to win in a better way? So, um, you know, how do we, you know, again, serving up that information in a way that's gonna allow them to win? I think that's gonna be the next big play in my view. Um, I think initially we're gonna see a lot of stuff out there around automating tasks, writing emails, little cool, little things like that, that again, add value. I don't take away from any of that, but again, that's going to be an efficiency play. The big, big push is going to be an effectiveness play. And that's going to be, I think a little bit, a little bit further out. Yeah. Very cool.
0: So on the email email side, there's a company, Humantech uh, AI. They have a uh, remember the old DISC profiles, it's, you know, introvert, extrovert, and all that stuff. And they actually have an AI engine now, so it can actually tell you personality profiles who you're selling to. And if you're going to do if you're going to do an email to me, uh, you can have your draft of an email. You can actually put it in kind of their tool, and it'll spit out using their AI what is a better kind of note for me based on my personality profile, which is just, you know, crazy, but all these things that are going to be coming up now, just uh, just insane. Um, and then maybe, uh, last question here. So reflecting back, any advice you'd give
1: to your younger self? Um, you know, honestly, I, I, I'd be taking more risks along the way, you know, kind of pushing myself a little bit further, take more risks. I think I was maybe a little bit more cautious Um, and I, you know, when I look back now, I mean, I think being a little bolder handily would have been, uh, you know, something that, uh, that, that, that I think through. Um, But that, that would be, that'd be the one thing I just think, uh, you know, stepping on a little bit more.
0: Interesting. Good. Well, you obviously have done done very well in spite of that, and you never know if you would have been bolder, if there would have been.
1: I might <laughs> have flamed out. Who knows? of
0: <laughs> mistakes, and you'd be having a different conversation. Geez, I wish I wasn't. But yeah, I wasn't so bold. Right there, you go. Know, yeah, great balance. You know, leading the charge, and I know. Uh, you know, most sales organizations would um, kind of relish the opportunity of somebody like you, because I know somebody. You know, sales leaders are you know, too much in the weeds and the ops because they have to, as opposed to hey, you got it, boom, they can go, you know, go, go, sell, 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 and you know, get, 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 get the team going. So that's uh, fantastic. Thanks. So you've been awesome. Um, so next week we have episode number 128. So we're going from big to small um, company. Red Vector probably people haven't heard of. Uh, Glenn, who's a co-founder and CRO, and Stephen, who's a chairman and CEO. And the title is going to be getting to 10 million ARR in very early markets. So probably nothing could be more opposite from uh, the, the, the world that you're at. So, uh, again, to Alexander Group, thanks so much for the uh, sponsorship. Uh, Tucker, behind the scenes, thank you. And uh, for those that are members of sales community, thanks. For those that are not, uh, please check us out and feel free to uh, join. Lots of great content on there as well. And, uh, Bill, awesome perspectives. Uh, th- thanks so much.